Commando J-Mac here, reporting from my 8th gap yard in the jungle. The mighty jungle. Where apparently, my butler Cedric has just informed me that the Whites have won away. I must sing back to the UK so Matt Reese Baldwin can cover this news in our pod. A win away, 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 a win, 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 win away. Play the music, Cedric. however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening. This is the Full and Focus podcast and I'd like to thank J-Mac for our introduction today. Usually we have ex-players but today we have a special one from J-Mac deep from the heart of the jungle on his gap yard. This was a bit of a late call up but he did however send a a special Easter based intro for me to have today so let's let's, let's get through this. Uh, He hopes that you had a hoppy weekend after Fulham's excellent Victory over Bournemouth, and you are absolutely chock a hoop over what wasn't you know, J Mac. I love you, but no, the Easter puns, no, not for me. Um, right, let's get up, let's get that intro out of the way and do the proper intro and introduce our panel for tonight. It's everyone's favorite Frenchie, it's Matt Beclair, and everyone's favorite American, it's Don La. Brian McBride, Demps. He's probably in the top 10, but everyone loves him. It's Don Love. So, anyway, gentlemen, let's get into it. Uh, our first win, well, since last week after Everton, but most importantly, it's our first away win. And anyone who knows Fulham in the Premier League knows that away wins are very, very, very hard to come by. So it was obviously a great party atmosphere. Everyone's seen what happened on social media. But let's go to someone who's actually there live, who witnessed it in person. Mr. Beclair, I sort of leave the floor open to you. You're just your initial reactions, your thoughts, just everything over what was an, what seemed like an incredible day. Yeah, hello, Baldo. Yes, it was an amazing day, without doubt, the best of the season, probably the best. Well, it's the best since Wembley, isn't it? Of course it is. Um, it, it's way after the Lord Mayor's show, but I, I wrote an article for the Full and Focus website that went out today. And I said in that article that the football wasn't really important. And, and it was more about the unity and and just making some good memories. And and it was it was such a good day. The sun was out. And whoever organised for us to have a, um, a relegation party at Bournemouth in the sun on Bank Holiday weekend, what a legend! It was, it was, it was superb. And yeah, we won the game. But I, I think even if we, um, even if we'd lost that game, it wouldn't have mattered because the the party atmosphere would have continued off the pitch anyway. So absolutely delighted that I, uh, I got to see it. To be honest, indeed. And Frenchie, uh, you were one of the few, one of the few people that actually managed to get uh, a ticket. For Bournemouth, and I was just doing a bit of research, just because I'm weird. I'm a nerd like these sort for these sort of things. Before we came on, and everyone knows that Dean Cord, Vitality Stadium, whatever you want to call it, as a bit as a small capacity. And just to put into context how small Dean Court is, um, well, Vitality Stadium, depending on how you call it, um, Centre Court at Wimbledon. Everyone's seen with the Wimbledon Championships every year. Everyone knows Centre Court. Centre Court has a higher capacity 
than the Vital than the Vital Stadium. Vital Stadium holds one thousand no eleven thousand three hundred twenty nine. Center Court holds fourteen thousand nine hundred seventy nine. So it's a good three and a half thousand ish more than Center Court. And even further, number one court, which again I'm sure many people that has a higher capacity than than Dean Court, but about three hundred. So just put into context just how small Dean Court is. Don't know why we're talking about stadium sizes, but we but we shall go there. Uh, I'll go. I'll move over to to our second guest. Rather, however you wish to, yep, second guess. Uh, Don, you sort of saw this from a much further afield than Mr. McClare did. Do you do you feel some sort of relief of getting the monkey off the back? Well, it's not really a monkey off the back; it doesn't really help us in the grand scheme of things. But just the overall joy of finally getting an away win this year. Well, first, I just want to say uh, thank you for mentioning me in the same sentence as some of those names, uh, Dempsey and. Bocanera, uh, you know, McBride, that, that's a hell of a group to be mentioned in. You're um, higher than Marcus Hanneman. That's all I know. You're higher <laughs> than him. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you, you know, it, it was, for me, not a really nervy game. I didn't really care about the results. You know, everybody probably doesn't care for the most part at this point. So I could see, though, people being on edge you know are we going to concede or is this going to end up either a, a tie or we end up losing um you know especially if you're there at the game but i i really didn't care uh one way or the other how whether or not we won what my thing was is how we were playing and for the most part i thought we were playing the game very very nicely there are some very unnervy moments i will have to say you know our defense is still fairly shaky although it's completely improved in my mind and you can't help but wonder if that Stuart Gray is being back you know that's that's the cause but yeah I, I would say I could see some people really panicking there uh, especially on the uh, on the counterattacks. they had some speed uh, especially down like the left-hand side I forget the player's name um, they could really break away and split us open so yeah yeah, yeah. you mentioned there about you know, Stuart Gray coming in and, you know, he seems to be the defensive, you know, uh, wizard when it comes to this sort of thing. You know, two clean sheets in a row, how much of it is to do with Stuart Gray? And we're going to sort of touch on that, touch on that now in sort of our first our first question. Is do we think that the Scott Parker bounce, as it were, is now in full effect? You know, you can put some of it down to Scott Parker, maybe some of it down to Stuart Gray, maybe some of it down to, you know, with no disrespect to Bournemouth and Everton, maybe the opponents because it's not the big guys that we had at the, at the start of the thing but mr mcclair do you think that you know the it, it now scott parker's finally had his what six weeks i want to say off the top of my head to work with the squad maybe now he's finally finally managed to get his methods and his style of play integrated into the team well i'll just pick you up on on the the point about bournemouth not being one of the big boys because they've just come off the back of a five nil away win to, to brighton and also previous the previous week we beat everton two nil and they've just beaten united four nil at home so I, I think we've got a bit of context around those performances and those results is that you know the the teams that we were up against have have recently hammered another team so um, in terms of Scott Parker, perhaps, yeah, you're right. Perhaps it is the Scott Parker bounce. Perhaps we spoke a bit last week about this, but perhaps it's just the fact that the shackles are off because we've been relegated. But I don't know. Yeah, you you, you always expect there when there's a new manager that comes in, you always expect there to be some kind of bounce. And we did get that when we played against, or oh, who was his first game? Was it the Chelsea game? Was that his first game? We, we did get, 
something of a bounce and we almost got a point in that game. But he was really up against it with the teams that we were playing against in, in those first few games. And then when we came up against potentially, you know, some some lesser opposition, you know, your Leicesters and, and your Watfords, albeit still very formidable opposition, but, you know, not top four, we 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 didn't perform particularly well in those games either. So it's great that we're now we're now seeing um, a couple of wins. And I think Scott Parker said in his post-match interview as well that winning becomes a habit. And if if we can start winning and take this into next season, then it should, should stand us in good stead. And incidentally as well, I noticed in his interview, he did say that next season is going to be a massive, massive season for us. And he was almost talking as if he was going to be involved. And whether he's got any intel on that, I don't know. But it, it's nice that he's kind of looking long-term anyway. Yeah, absolutely. The way the way he talks makes him think. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that maybe he knows something that we don't, but it does show that it's some there's some level of confidence in there that you know he he wants the job. He's not seeing this as just some sort of internship as well. He clearly wants the job, and obviously the players, if you believe what's going on in the media, the players the players want as well. Don, again, so similar similar question to you. Do you think that now this is now Scott Parker's team, or do you think? You know, there's still a few tweaks that need to be done here and there, or do you think now nah, as long as we're like this, we're good for next for next year? Well, you can't really say this is Scott's team, and the reason what I mean by that is uh, he he hasn't chosen any of these players. You know, these are still all the leftovers. Uh, what I will say is he's for at least in my eyes turned the team around. That there seems to be a feel good factor going on. Uh, that he seems to have gotten them more organized. Uh, they seem to be at least doing uh, the things he's asking them to do. So I do think there is a bit of a bounce going, and I, th- I think it has officially started for him. Now, you know, I, I will say when you have a caretaker manager, you know, usually a caretaker manager is brought in to, you know, lift the spirits of the guys and turn the team around for a short time, make them feel good, make them hopefully get some good results. But then, you know, really to convert, if Parker's going to do the job, from the caretaker to the actual manager full time, he's going to have to start making some really tough decisions. And that's going to be like, you know, if Mitchell leaves, what are we doing to replace him? If Sess leaves, what are we doing to replace him? If Tom's not there and unavailable, what are we going to do? Who are we getting in? So there's still a lot of questions, I think, to be answered. But. In the short term, I don't see why we don't just give it to Scott. And anybody who says this is kit version 2.0, I disagree. I think Scott has got a better handle on things right now than Kit did when he took over. Everybody felt great about you know Kit coming in, but it wasn't until again Kit got some decent help in the in the defense that things clicked. So. I, I kind of think Scott actually knows what he's doing, and I'd like him to see the job, get the job. Yeah, and I think with all due respect to the kids, Scott Parker has a much better squad than Kit Simmons, than Kit Simmons inherited. And you, you mentioned you segued perfectly for me there. And uh, Alexander Mitrovic, you mentioned him. You mentioned him sort of in, towards the end of your thing. Uh, Scott Parker said how integral it is, and how important is that we keep him for next year and if you listen to the way you know Mitrovic has spoken particularly on Saturday spoken to post-match interviews and I don't know whether or not this is true but I've heard somewhere on the Twitter uh, forum grapevine somewhere that he has children settled in London schools 
So that means that he that's one of the things he's not going to want to leave because he it showed that he clearly loves it here and you know he's made a decision come hell or high water, you know, barring maybe a 300 million pound move to China, don't rule it out. Um, that he's that he's going to stay here. How important, no, not how important we all know how important it is. But Don, do you think we can keep hold of him? Do you think that we have the ability to keep hold of? Uh, let's go with Mitrovic. We've discussed Sess and Kearney ad nauseum, but Mitrovic is as our focal point. Do you think we can keep him? I think we can. You know, the hard part's going to be depending on what clubs come knocking and how much they're willing to throw down for him. So, you know, if you've got somebody who comes in and says, I I don't know, I'm just throwing out a name, like let's say West Ham or somebody like that came in and said, hey, we want him. And they say, here's 30 million, you know, are are you good? It's hard to turn down 30 million. Uh, You know, we could go out and I think get a couple of really good players for 30 million. for the 30 million is not enough, Don. You don't think so? No way. No way. What what do you think Mitchell would get? What do you think Mitchell would get? I don't know. I don't know what we paid for him, but I, th- I think it was in the region of twenty to twenty-five. But then there were add-ons, and it, it you know it could go up to sort of thirty, um, and and he's on a long contract as well. And all right, he's he's not scored the amount of goals that I thought he was going to at the start of the season when he was really banging them in at the start. He's only got eleven, I think. But in a team that's firing on all cylinders, he'd he'd be quite prolific, I think. And you know, I I, I think nothing less than fifty we'd even look at and it's not like the Khans need the money and the way Mitrovic was talking about our support at the weekend best supporters in the world which is an amazing thing to hear him say I don't think he'd be in any rush to leave particularly especially if he was given assurances that we were going to try and come straight back up now now, there's a really important thing you're saying there is you know Mitro uh you know only scored 11 goals this season or something like that the reason for that, though, is because this squad squad has just been such crap this season. So, you know, you want him to score goals, you got to get him the ball, okay? And we're not getting him the ball. Most of the crosses suck. They're not dropping in the right place. They're over hit, over burnt, or they can't even beat the first player. Or we can't even find that nice through ball to find him. If we have the right players back in place, playing in the right places, you know, a good example is Tom, who I think we were sorely, sorely missing during this game, who, you know, finds that creative pass that sets things in motion. Mitro's your perfect guy up top. He's one of the few players, at, at, at I think, at the top level who played that out-and-out right striker who who is strong enough to hold up the play, bring in other people, or, you know, say, I'm taking on two, three players and let's see what happens. So he is key to keeping, uh, I think, a key part of us going up next year and would be a a huge loss if we don't have him for next year. With that said, I also think he needs a better partner up top. Babel is kind of, you know, doing a decent job, and I could see somebody like that working next year. He needs somebody, though, with a little bit of speed who – you know, kind of like Cess playing off that back shoulder, looking to pick up the scraps, banging in those those goals that get spilled. He needs something like that. And I don't think we've got that right now. No, and you mentioned you mentioned Tom Kenny. I think it is very important that we sort of take this moment to congratulate Tom Kenny and his partner on the birth on the birth of their first child. You know, there was there's a uh, Aubrey Thomas Kenny, you know, welcome to the world. And hopefully that's one more fun fun fan in the world. But in the centre midfield, we had uh, Jean-Michel Cherry and uh, Frank Anguissa, who have done a very good job these past few weeks in, in the centre midfield. 
Uh, Mr. McLeod, your, your thoughts on Seri and the fact that he's somewhat improved from what has been? Do we want to put again put this all down to Parker, or do we want to maybe you also mentioned the shackles being off? Maybe he's a little more free to sort of express himself. You know, where where do you think this sudden burst of form has come from? From, from Seri and from Angisa. Uh, yeah, I think from from Seri, uh, I think it's. There's been the the debate all season, hasn't there, whether Seri and Kenny can play in the same team and, and the previous two managers tried to shoehorn them both in and now Parker's not afraid to leave leave uh, one of them out and Kenny clearly seems to be his his first choice because the, the pair of them used to play together uh, a couple of years ago when Parker and Parker was, was still playing. But I, I think Seri this season, it's almost like he's taken a little while to adapt to the Premier League. Um, he made a good start in the first couple of games, then was very, very kind of, you know, he just, he just disappeared for almost half the season. Even though he was in the team, play just seemed to pass him by and he wasn't influential enough for me. But then just after Christmas, he he, he came back into the team and um, I started to notice that he was he was having an impact on games, even though we were still losing. He, he looked like one of our better players. But then when Parker came in, it's, it, you know, he was he was just, dropped out the team altogether. All so I think on, on Saturday, he, he had a quite a quiet game. Um, and perhaps that's just because he, he hasn't been in the team much recently. Um, but Angisa, Angisa's really come into himself in the in the last few few weeks. And he looks like a real asset. And we've spoken about him at length in the past few weeks as well on, on the podcast. And I've said before that I think that he'll be a, a real asset next season in the Championship. And I think he'll stay next season as well. Whether Seri will or not, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think Angisa will. Don, so same same question to you. Have you been impressed of how those two have uh, come on in, in the centre midfield together? Uh, you know, Angisa, when he first started, I wasn't that really impressed. I, I kind of thought... Uh, he looked like a bull, you know, in a China shop. He just was all over the place. He actually, I thought this last couple of games has been a key part of what we've not been really having in that midfield. And what I mean by that is somebody who's kind of creative and was able to quickly find those passes that got out of the back and created chances uh, or the way he just carried the ball forward. So him alongside Chambers, I think has really been nice. Uh, the two of them add different dynamics, but they both, you know, work really well together or seem to be working well together. The one thing about Angisa, he does worry me. And this is a lot like a, a doy does uh, worry me. He does a lot of late challenges. Okay. So I can see a lot of cards coming his way. But yeah, he he does seem to have that in his back pocket somewhere, just oh, a, yeah. little bit, a little bit of clumsiness. To <laughs> but it, it's it's working right now, and I like it. I really do like what I'm seeing from him. And I think if again he stays with us and we go into next season, it'll be a, a fairly solid kind of holding midfielder there for us that uh, you know works with somebody like Chambers. So I like that. Now I will say for Siri, I just I. I'm I'm sorry. I think he's one of those players. He's either in the wrong team, you know, and he just doesn't have the right players around him to shine or he's out of his depth, you know, back to league one. He probably would, uh, or I mean, you know, the French league, he, he probably would do fantastic, look awesome, brilliant, whatever uh, in the championship. He'd probably look above average, but I'm not sold on Siri. I much would prefer Tom playing the true number 10 behind 
Metro and like another striker kind of person or, you know, out on the, with, with somebody on the wings. I don't want to see him out on the wings. I wanted to see him working with people on the wings. He finds those creative passes. Tom for me is that guy that's got to be sitting in there for us in order to get the ball more towards Metro and let Metro hold it up and do things. So Siri, I'm not sold on and Gisa. Yeah. I like what I'm seeing. I think he's going to develop into a really nice player. That's hoping that we can. That's hoping we can keep hold of him. He's he's going to be another one. Well, that's weird... that's the key. You know, is hopefully we can keep a hold of him. Some of these other players. Hopefully, it's not going to be a whole fire sale. Uh, you know, the cons have said that a lot of the players are going to stay. That you know, he he's got this in their contracts or whatever. They worked out. Bully for him. That's awesome. The big question still though is, who's who's going to be leaving? Who's getting who? Who are we getting rid of? And what are going to be the targets? And hopefully. When it comes to those targets for next season, our structure changes when it comes to recruitment. Um, hopefully then Scotty can actually put his stamp on the team and say, okay, this is my team. Yes, uh, ab- absolutely. He's going to be, if we can keep hold of him, he's going to be crucial. I just want to touch back to the players. We're, we're going to touch quickly on the players that we're going to see leaving. Sergio Rico has come in for a bit of stick recently, but I think it needs to be said, he had an absolute, well, fantastic, maybe a bit of a stretch, but a very good game on Sat- on Saturday. Mr. McClare, would you would you not agree? Yeah, I'm I'm not his biggest fan. I, I criticise him all the time for his punching, but I thought that was his best game that he, he's had for us on, um, on, on Saturday. He made some excellent stops. He was quick off his line and made some good blocks. I, I don't really remember him having to deal with too many crosses, which is probably why um, why he stood out more so. Um, I also said in my article uh, today that I think he um, it, it would be difficult to give him man of the match, even though he was worthy of, of that shout out, because I felt like we were on the front foot quite a lot. And to give the goalkeeper the man of the match, it's almost like we're admitting that we were on the back foot for the whole game. So he was he was close to man of the match and it was his best game for the club for me, for sure. Perfect. Don, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap her bow around the Bournemouth result? Uh, I have one thing, and that is, you know, as an American, I, you know, obviously I'm going to follow the American players overseas. I don't know if anybody noticed or anybody even cared, but Emerson Hyman was sitting on the uh, bench for Bournemouth. Uh, I couldn't help but wonder, you know, what would be going through his mind if he had any regrets leaving Fulham? Because, you know, his career really, it hasn't like, blossomed gone on fire uh you know and led him to anywhere important he's he's done two loans back to uh uh the scottish league uh he was at rangers and then i forget the other team now um i believe it was hibs yes and and if you notice actually both of the stents mainly was because of the coach who really likes him which is neil lennon hopefully that's not a sign of things to come for us but you know that that is who he worked under, and supposedly there are rumors leading linking us to Neil Lennon. I, I hope that's not true. But that's an interesting Twilight Zone level level of thinking there, Don. I I, I applaud you. <laughs> I applaud you for putting those links together. But I I personally hope they don't come true. So as I said, uh, just put a real bow on Bournemouth with our Parker. We don't read. We don't have a pun for it do we like we had like we had the Ranieri rating and the Slavis faction we so we'll just call it a Parker rating just because we're boring like that uh, Mr. McClare out of 10 Scott Parker gets a well I gave him a 10 for the Everton game and we've won again so I'm going to give him another 10 long okay, may I continue 
Okay, I can't. I can't see. I can't see any faults in that. Uh, Don, do you wish to? You can't really improve on a ten, but do you wish to give a, a different grade or maybe the same grade? No, I think you know he he's really doing extremely well, especially with what we've got as a squad. So I would give him a ten. You know, the the as far as the squad goes now, I give them more like a six or a seven. And the reason being is because we still give away too many hospital passes. We still like to make these passes to players, either sideways, square, whatever, that put our players instantly under pressure and end up coughing the ball or giving the ball away. And that puts us instantly in pr- on pressure and we're trying to regroup and reshape and defend. So there's still, even though Parker's doing a great job, which is amazing that he is with this, this squad. I'm, I, I think personally a lot to do a lot, a lot, a lot to do, but good for Parker. Good for Parker. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give him an 11 because we managed to get out of the game with uh, Chris Mepham and you just got to outdo us, don't you? No, no, it's it's me because he we got out the <laughs> okay. injuring um without injuring Chris Mepham and David Brooks uh, for Wales duty when the summer comes. So at least we won't get blamed. So None of us have ever heard of them, Baldo. None of us have ever heard of them. <laughs> you will <laughs> trust me. You will. <laughs> David Brooks is on the PFA Young Player of the Year list. You know who he is. Is and he? You will see. Trust me, Euro 2020, when we lift the trophy at Wembley, you will <laughs> We'll see about that. <laughs> right, indeed. Right, let's keep up this, let's keep this good nature stuff going as we end our Bournemouth uh, review and we move on to everyone's favourite part of the show. It's the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back. It is now time for the quiz. And I'll just run through the technicalities and legalities for this. Each of our my co-hosts can get 20 points. And you people, you fine people listening at home can get 25 points. There are three rounds and we shall crack on straight immediately with round one. And this round is guess the figure. And it's basically going to be a closest two. Uh, So whoever gets the closest to the correct number gets the point. And this is sort of tied. This round is also sort of tied in with our game against Cardiff on the weekend. So we've got a bit of a preview in the quiz mixing as well. So let's get cracking. Uh, Don, you'll get to guess first. Fulham have attempted more passes than Cardiff in the Premier League this season. This shouldn't surprise many of you because I know because ev- I know everyone likes Cardiff to play Route One uh, football, so but clear. But just how many more passes have we attempted than Cardiff? So how many more passes have we attempted than Cardiff this season? I'm assuming this was stats including this weekend. So if there's any queries, as again, blame Danny. He's the one who does it all. So Don, how many more passes have we attempted than Cardiff this year? Passes more than Cardiff. Yeah, attempted. Attempted. Some sort of oh, attempted, yeah. not completed. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's completed passes, uh, maybe we've made two more than Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> uh, attempted. Attempted. Okay, let's say hmm, 150. More passes completed. More passes attempted, rather. Attempted, not completed. Yeah, attempted. Okay. Uh, Mr. McClare, you next. 800. Point goes to Mr. McClare because we have attempted 6,199. Oh. Holy more cow. More passes than Cardiff. So you were both well off the mark, but for some reason, Frenchie, get, Frenchie was technically closer, so he gets the point. Mr. McClare, you'll get the next go. You'll get the first go on the next one round. Cardiff are the only, as we go to question two, Cardiff are the only team we are pointless against in the Premier League era. So we have taken points off every single team in the Premier League era 
apart from Cardiff. But how many teams have we taken points off during these 14 seasons? So how many different clubs have we got at least a point against? Frenchie, to you. Cool. Uh, let's go uh, 37. Mr. McClare goes for 37. Don, to you. 14 years, X amount of clubs. I'll go lower, 20. Frenchie gets the point. He was very close. It was 39. Oh, 39 different clubs. Yeah. I'm sure if you had more time, you'd be able to just rattle off each and every team we've played. But showed up. So point goes to Mr. Frenchie. Question three. And again, Don, you'll go first. Fulham have conceded more goals than any side in the Premier League this season. Staggering 76. But how many? No looking at the table for this next one. So spoilers. How many more goals have we conceded this year than Cardiff? So we've conceded 76, which is how many more than Cardiff? Don. 20 more than Cardiff. 20, okay. Frenchie. 14. Frenchie gets the point again because we have conceded 11 more. Just the 11 more than Cardiff who have conceded 65. Now, for this one, I'm going to give some zero decimal places. Zero decimal places. So no point one, so on and so forth. Frenchie, to you first. How much percentage of possession on average have Fulham had this season in the Premier League? So what is our average possession percentage in games this year? Frenchie. 43. 43. Don. Uh... You know, normally in the past, we'd be really high. Uh, it, it, last year, we were always in like the 60 to 70s. This year, I think we're lucky if we hit even the mid, I'm going to say 35%. Frenchie's clean sweeping at the moment because it's 48%. Oh my Lord. <laughs> 48%. Cardiff, just for uh, statistical comparison, are 39%. So then to so them. Nine percentage points lower than us. Okay, end of round one. Uh, we go to the final question. We have scored less goals in the Premier League this season than compared to our 13 years in the top flight. We have scored 32 goals this so, so far this season with three games to go, which is how many goals behind the lowest from our first season 2001-02. So basically, our lowest amount before the season was in 2001-2002, how many goals are we behind that? So, Don, I'll go to you. Okay, so how many goals are we behind? Yes, yeah, so basically, how many goals did we get in our first season in the Premier League, which is our lowest? Then take away how many we have now, which is 32. So how many points are we behind? Goals, rather. 30? I don't... Okay, okay. Matt, Frenchie, to you. I was going to say 12. Again, by default, Frenchie gets the point because there's only three. Our oh, worst wow. season, we had 35. And now we got 32. So we got three games. Oh, Cardiff. Wolves, yeah. Three games to score four goals in which to best our total, our worst ever total for a Premier League season. Right, John, you're going to need to really fire. You're going to have to be really firing in these next couple of rounds because yeah, at the moment it is Frenchie five, Don Love zero. Well, I got to say, you know, listening to those stats real quickly, uh, 
you've actually, instead of bringing me up and making me happy on this pod, this is actually now depressing. In what way? Go on, in what way? Oh, those stats stink. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, they do stink. Right. Anyway, so the round number two is back and forth. You'll get five guesses each. So after our win away against Bournemouth on the weekend, that was our first away win of the season, which means if you've got to go back, we've got to go a long way back, five years, to when we last won a Premier League away game. What I want you to do is name our last 10 away victories in the Premier League. So this is going back to our relegation year of 2013-14. We won a couple of away games and then beyond that. Um, Don, I'll go to you first. So you'll get five guesses each. Name an away victory. An away victory. Everton. Oh, that is not on the list, I'm afraid. Uh, Mr. Frenchy, over to you. Aston Villa. Villa, that was our last one. Everyone, everyone remembers that. That was a, that was a brilliant away day on the grand. It, it didn't mean much, didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But as an away day, that was a great one. Kira it did Richardson, at the time. It did at the time, didn't it? We, we oh, thought yeah, it, it might us, do. Yeah, it gave us so much hope, but then yeah. came out to nothing. Kieran Richardson and then Roy Yeager's header. Header. Everyone remembers that. Don, next guess over to you. Uh, Man United. No, I'm afraid not. That was not in our last 10. Frenchie, you. Sunderland. First game of our relegation season, Kasami with a header. Yes. Don, to you again. Away. Um, West Ham. Unfortunately, also not on the list. Frenchie, to you. Man City. Which one are you referring to? Are you referring to... I'm referring to the one at Easter when Dixon Atuhu scored. Yeah, Dempsey got Dempsey got the other two, didn't he? Maybe. I don't know. can't remember. Yeah. Uh, either way, you're wrong. So, ah. no. No points for you. Don, to you. Which, oh, that kind of disappointed me because I hope that we can get a clean sweep and someone get every question right. But, oh, well. Don, to you. Okay. Back then. Um, how about Stoke? Stoke. No. Not on the list. So, Frenchie, this will be your third guess? What about Liverpool, when there was an own goal scored by somebody who I can't remember? You mean the Martin Skirtle one? That's the boy. Yes, you do, because he's on the list as well. Uh, Don, is this your last guess, Don, or your penultimate guess? I believe this is the last one, isn't it? Last guess. Okay, so, Don, your final guess. Come on, you need something. At least pull, pull back some pride. Come on. Spurs. Bingo, he's on the board. He beat Spurs. <laughs> 17th of March 2013. Yay! Got the goal. So no so no whitewash for Mr. McLaren, but you do get one more go. Frenchie to you. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling to remember now. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, Birmingham. That is not on the list, I'm afraid. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty shocked at both of you. There's a couple of famous ones when you think about it. We'll we'll go through the full list. Our last ten away victories in the Premier League. We got Aston Villa. We got the famous Aston Villa one, which Frenchie alluded to. Norwich away on Boxing Day. Our usual three points at Carroll Road. Uh, Kasami with a free kick and then a, light, a late strike from Scott Parker. 
the 4-1 at Crystal Palace with Kasami's goal. The other belter from Sidwell, Philip Senderos getting on the score sheet, and then Berbatov wrapping it up to make it four. Uh, we mentioned Sunderland away on the first game on the first day of the season. Go back to the last game of the previous season, a fabulous away day. Swan uh, when we beat Swansea 3 0, catching it, Klitsch, Berbatov, and Irby Emanuelson. There's a name from the past. Uh, Don mentioned the Spurs one. West Brom on New Year's Day 2013. Uh, Berbatov and Kachaniklic when Romelu Lukaku scored for Baggies that day. Uh, an away victory to Wigan. Uh, Hugo Rodriguez's first Fulham goal and a Damien Duff winner. Uh, Don mentioned the uh, Liverpool one. And then finally, our 10th, working it back, uh, 7th of April 2012, Clint Dempsey and Mamadou Diara with his first and only Fulham goal. So that rounds up our last 10. So at the end of that round, we have Frenchie on eight points and Don on one point. So there were the 10 victories. And just for the point of disclosure, the 11th victory, the last one before that, was 1-0 at Loftus Road with Pavel Pogrebniak. Anyway, so we go on to round the final round. Uh, Mr. Love cannot win, but he can at least claw back some level of pride as we go to guess the player. And uh, this one is a bit of a, it's a very much what I like to call a doozy. I do like this one. Credit to Danny for coming up with this one. You know the rules. Ten clues. If you get it in the first one and two, you get five points. Through a third and fourth clue, you get four points, so on and so forth. Uh, see how well you can do at home, because that's really all that we're fighting for now. So anyway, fact number one about this player. He is five foot eight tall. Should I say was because he's retired? At least I think he's retired. Oh, I'm assuming he's retired. He's five foot eight. Fact number two. He cost Fulham £375,000. Which, in my view, is a bargain. Fact number three. He scored only the two goals for the club. Only two. And I can't remember either of them. Fact four. He made 217 appearances in all competitions. No guesses yet? Okay, we shall move on. Number five. He made his debut on the 31st of January 1998 in a one all draw away to Grimsby. I've got it. Have you? Who have you going I think, for? I reckon it's Wayne Collins. You're going for Wayne Collins. Mr. Frenchie goes for Wayne Collins. Okay. Uh, okay, number six. This player dropped down a division from QPR to sign for Fulham because of a persuasive phone call from then-manager Kevin Keegan. I haven't got it, but I have now. You have now. You've <laughs> got to stay got quiet. It, yeah. You've got to stay quiet. For the, for the thousands of people listening at, uh, at home, and for Don as well, who may still pull a magical rabbit out of the hat. Number seven, he wore the captain's armband in the Intertoto Cup triumph over Bologna at Loftus Road. No. Should be right. We should be rattling through a little bit more quickly now as we get to the more obvious ones. After five years and one day service, he left Fulham to join West Ham in 2003. Still moving on for the people at home. At number nine, this player was a pivotal part of both 100-point winning promotions under Keegan and Tigana. Last one. This should give the. This should easily do it. He was a left back. He was, of course. Don, do you have any last guess? Throw a name out. 
Back in 98, um, a left back? Before Don's time, I think. <sighs> yes, I think it was before Don's time. I can't time, believe you may I know, said you Wayne may know, You may know his history. Come on, Don. Come on. Who is it? Go on. You know you want to say uh... <laughs> I'm assuming this must have been a foreigner. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, This couldn't have been an English person. Well, is he English? I'm, I'm, either way, I'm sure. I don't think is he English. It's Rufus Brevet. I think he played for Jamaica, didn't he? That's what I thought. I knew in the back of my mind. I could swear was I could swear was Jamaica. Yeah, Yeah, but anyway, it is Rufus Brevet. Rufus Brevet was the name. And congratulations to anyone at home that managed to get it. So after that round, uh, Frenchy got none, which leaves him with a grand total of eight. Don also got none, which leaves him with a grand number of one. Which means Frenchie wins this week's quiz by a very convincing margin. And for your prize, I managed to sneak into the uh, into Dean Court after the game had finished because I was busy on Saturday. And all leftover inflatables are being taken to your house. So all the inflatables the people left behind are being delivered straight to your house. So there Does is your that, prize. Does uh, that include the inappropriate inflatables? <laughs> I mean, you say inflatables again. as if there was multiple. Let's not the, go there. The one that Frenchie the... keeps in his attic. That's very much a non-safe for work reference there. Um, <laughs> right, all that's left to do, that's the quiz over. We've just got one tiny bit to do before we can before we can get away from you, and that's to preview the Cardiff game. Fulham. Right, I'm moving on to the Cardiff game. Now, there's not really much for us to say on our side of the our side of the ball because we're we've been down for a number of weeks. But this game is very, very, very crucial for our opponents uh, because, in a sort of Dennis Law, Man United, he did send a daddy, didn't send that. We could effectively send Cardiff down this weekend, which I'm sure for many Fulham fans is the holy grail and the one saving grace possible this season. So yeah, so it's important. So it's important for them. It's not important for us, but. It is important for us in a sense that we need to keep some sort of momentum going and keep some sort of positive vibes, you know, keep the party atmosphere going, as it were. Just in terms of the team, I'm assuming you're both going to want an unchanged side, you know, don't break, don't, don't change what I don't think. I think in the team, team just picks itself right now. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of changes that I think Parker would make or could make. I no, think Kenny, Kenny will be back in, I would think. Yeah, yeah, um... that that'd be the one thing that definitely is going to change uh, is you know him back in. Um, Who does he only... replace though? That's the question. Siri. Oh no, Siri is gone, and Tom just takes that slot. Yeah, in my exactly. mind, I agree. Yeah, that, that's that's the big change. Uh, the only other change is uh, did uh, Zambo did he hurt himself at all at the end? At the end, did he tweak yeah, something? Possibly. So that maybe. Because it wasn't. That's why. Uh, what's his name came on that we haven't seen forever and ever. Uh, Nordfight. It, what? Yeah, isn't that why he came on? Was there was a little. Yeah, you're right. Something with Angisa. Right. So that might be the only other change really uh, in the squad. It, like I said, at this point, it pretty much picks itself. And as far as you know, tactics, you can't say anything about tactics because Parker pretty much has shown uh, if he's going for it, he's sticking pretty much with his four two three one you know he he seems to like that formation uh if we were going to sit back he seems to go with you know five at the back or the the wing back so at this point in the season i just hope they keep playing hard like they have been and they just 
take it to them. You know, don't don't give them any chances. No, indeed. And just just for a bit of statistical bit of query about this, fantastic work by Danny to bring this up. Uh, sort of touching on our quote-unquote rivalry with Cardiff towards the end of last year and about our styles of play. Just hit, just hear me out on this. Fulham, this season, have scored more goals, had more shots, more shots on target, more yellow cards, more red cards, more offsides, more headed goals, which fascinated me, uh, hit the woodwork more times, used more players, conceded more goals, drew more games, lost more games, committed more fouls, which again, which again, sort of took me surprise, by surprise, been fouled more times, which didn't surprise me. Made more passes, didn't surprise me. More touches, more managers, and spent more money. You sort of knew about the last two. But crucially, Cardiff had more points than us this season. So can we finally put this rivalry with Cardiff to bed, Mr. Beclair? Can we finally? Oh, uh, yeah, we'll beat them for sure, if that's what you're asking. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, this rivalry you have over styles of play, do we, do we put an end to it now? Or, or, or when we play, if you like, after, or, or when we play them next year, when we get relegated. Why, why do people like think there's a rivalry? I, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. Why, why do they think there's a rivalry? Is it because we spent a ton of money and they didn't? Um, no, it's because we spent the last couple of weeks, you know, mocking Cardiff over their style of play, and the fact that Neil Warnock is their manager, and yet look what it's behind. So two years in a row, they're going to get ahead of us. You know, I, I'm not a fan of, of Warwick, but you got to admire that they, if he keeps him up, it, it would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. OK, now I don't like their style of play. Uh, obviously, they didn't really change a lot from the championship to the Premier League, but they didn't spend a ton of money on players like we did either. OK, so, you know, as as long as we beat them. And we do it in a nice performance. I, I don't care right now about pretty football. Uh, you know, you can't play pretty football all the time. We need to get back to just grinding out results. So as long as we do that, I don't care about some stupid people thinking that there's a rivalry or not. Uh, that That's all just crap in the background as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't buy into the rivalry either. I couldn't care less about Cardiff, to be quite honest with you. All right, the people were upset last season because we were we were a bit snobbish about the fact that we were playing nice football, but we were playing nice football and we almost pipped them and it was exciting. But that was last season. This season, there's been no rivalry whatsoever. We've just been absolutely crap all season. Cardiff haven't been that much better, to be honest, which is why they're in the position they're in. They're a few points ahead of us now, but I, I think we'll beat them on Saturday. I really do. And I know they're scrapping for their lives and we, we've got nothing to play for, but I, I still think we'll beat them. Go on then, Mr. McClaire. Give me a score prediction. 2-0. Third clean sheet in a row. Third clean sheet. Scott Parker will officially have passed the magical 25 points as a result of that. Don? Over to you. Just I, I, I like that. Two two zero sounds really good. Uh, and, and besides, you know, you guys want to beat Cardiff uh, to begin with because what's a better away day for you guys? You know, do you do you want to be going to Cardiff, uh, rain and cold, or do you want to go to the beach? Well, I think Baldwin and I will probably have uh, different thoughts on this. But I, I want to go to Cardiff Barkers, stock up on yeah. Welsh cakes. I know what I know which team I'd rather have down. In fact, yeah, that that's was going to be our final question. Is 
Um, who do you want to go down and who do you think will go down? Just to sort of wrap up this, this podcast, because there's, there's no much more we can talk about ourselves. We're terrible, but there's more exciting things going on. Uh, so I'll sort of pass the question over to you, Frenchie. Who do you want to go down and then who do you think will go down? Um, well, I think it's more a case of who do I want to stay up, really. And I'd, I'd rather I'd rather go to Brighton than to Cardiff, but I quite like Brighton. So um, I'll have Cardiff coming back down with us simply because it will kind of absolve the, the the fact that we're going down and it make me feel a bit better about ourselves, that we're not the only team that came up last season that are going to go back down. But, you know, I've, I wish Cardiff and Brighton all the best, both of them. I haven't really got anything against either of them. So it's so it's a tad this tad bit of Schadenfreude on your thing, you know, for for you on Cardiff to go down at the end of the thing, and you think I've, no, 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 I, 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 no, I don't want Cardiff to go down. I want Brighton to stay up. Let's put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Okay, put a positive spin on it. Sure, Don, same same thing to you. All right, I, I completely agree with Frenchie, and for me, uh, it's a personal reason that I hope Brighton. Uh, comes down and Cardiff stays up and for me it's because uh, this year I didn't come over at all for any matches or any games and it had to do a lot with money Uh, my son graduates and is off to college so he's out of the house everybody's gone better chance of me coming over this year and if I'm coming over I want an easy away day somebody that's kind of easy to get to and I think it would be harder to get to Cardiff from like London Uh, so for me going to the beach at Brighton I'd like, I'd rather do that, or or hopefully that's a good possibility for me. Okay, so you're you're doing it on person on personal reason. I, I respect that. I respect I respect that too to an extent. I, yeah, I, I I'm I'm on a similar vein to you. I want Cardiff down purely because I like going to Cardiff for an away day. But that's really it for this episode of the Full and Focus podcast. Thank you very much uh, to every single one of you for listening. Uh, we hope I hope you did better in the quiz than Don Love did. Um, please don't forget that you can keep up to date with everything that's going on Full and Focus. You can go to the website, fullandfocus.com. You can keep hold of us on Twitter, Fulham underscore focus. Instagram, I believe, is the same one as well. Um, and that's that's really it. All that's left for, for us to say is thank you very much for listening. Take a good night and come on, you whites. <laughs> <laughs>